The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Beyond the Fairway Podcast, Doug Smith alongside my man, my homie, the dread wonder himself. Will, what's up, baby? Where you at, man? Man, I am in uh, Orange County, California. Um, I got to do a commercial shoot, right? Oh my god! So, I don't know why uh, they trusting you on TV. I, me, me neither. I don't know who I fooled, but I'm gonna try to keep full. They ain't gonna, they gonna realize they, they, they're gonna be upset when they realize I have no hairline. So I don't know what they're gonna do after that. <laughs> all right, no. Hey, you know this is your home, Beyond the Fairway Podcast, for all things just a little bit more in golf. We give you beyond the highlights and the scores. We give you some of that real golf talk, some of that stuff that you hear between the ropes. This week, Seth Wall coming in here. You know who Seth Wall is? You probably do. By now, CEO of PGA of America coming in to sit down with Will and myself. Well, I don't know if Seth's really ready for what we about to throw at him, but, you know, we're going to give him a shot. Say what? I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see what happens with him. But I can't wait for the conversation. Absolutely. Hey, look, Walker Cup. Did you get a chance to watch any of this Walker Cup over the weekend? Seminole uh, down in Palm Beach Gardens. Beautiful host for this year's uh, Walker Cup here on home soil, man. I watched a little bit of it, man. There was so much golf. I, I tried to play my own and, and then catch up. It was it was crazy. Man, it was it was a close event. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the more thrilling Walker Cups I ever watched. You know, it was, uh, you know, 14-12. We, we escaped, narrowly escaped. But uh, but it was it was pretty solid, you know. Shout out to uh, my man Ricky Ricky Castile for doing being four and zero on either side, uh, Great Maybe. Britain and U.S. So that that's a big shout out to him because that means does that mean like he's ready for the tour like tomorrow when you see stuff like that? I tell I mean, you, you, what, you, you, you almost beat a lot of people like under that. the lights. The lights was bright; they was shining down on him. You know, televised here on Golf Channel, and well, I, he might be. I might be. I don't know what he shot. You know he might have beat oh, some true. people, but I don't know true. what he shot. I mean, but, he, it's, but look, it's not like he, it's not like he shot ninety and the guy shot ninety one. No, he went hell four no that way. <laughs> but I'll say this: if you do make it to a Walker Cup team, odds are you got some game. And big shout game. out to the to the big homie Stuart Hagestad for another Walker Cup championship. Man, that dude is amazing. Man, I can't wait. He's coming in here. Is he coming on weeks. here? Yeah, he'll be here in a couple weeks. Nice. Um, skip across the water, Will. Arya Jatanagar in her homeland in Thailand gets the W on the final round, 63. L. look, what I like about this story, right, not only did Great she story. win on her home soil, she was a little back, had to go low. She actually went out there and got it. Final round, 63, Will. That's, that's playing some golf. I don't give a damn who you are, where you at. 63, final round. I mean, to think, hmm. to think that it's been... 1,015 days since her last LPGA Tour event of winning, being victorious, and mm-hmm. she wins in her native land. 
that's a great story, man. So I, uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm even more of a huge fan of her now, and I'm glad that uh, it's starting to get some recognition. I'm glad you know things are starting. Does she to... have home course advantage? At you know, again, yes, she lives that's, in the states. I get that, but does she have a home course advantage? I mean, home soil advantage for sure. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a stretch. I, but I'm gonna ask you. It, it, but I mean, she has to have. I mean, shoot, they they almost made they made a not almost they made a movie out of her and her sister, and she was once on a Gatorade on a Gatorade bottle too. So yeah. That's home soil advantage. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, cool beans. All right, all well, let's let's jump back on this side of the water. Your hometown. At my hometown. center stage. My hometown. You know that was Charlotte, North Carolina, on the mat this week. It was, a, you know, <laughs> Charlotte's already growing, right? The secret's <laughs> out. But the fact is that the newcomers coming in Charlotte, you know, at post-pandemic, don't know what they're getting into. Because if they moved okay. in during a pandemic stretch, the PGA Tour canceled uh, Wells Fargo last year in uh, 2020. So now they're just you just see new faces at these events. They don't know how to act. They're like, oh, I moved <laughs> to a town that has a PGA Tour event. You can just tell. So welcome, new Charlatans, and this is what to expect. And you even that's have what the more. That's what it is, a Charlatan? Charlatans, yes. Okay, because you know like every city got a different way to that, say yeah, 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 that, like the who teen it is part. that they possess. So it's a Charlatan. Charlatan. Well, so, I tell you what. Roy McIlroy might take up residence in Charlotte after getting his third W there at Quill Hollow in the Wells Fargo because that boy know how to play a little G, man. It's nice to see him back in the winner's circle. I mean, yeah, I mean, but Charlotte has, the Quell Hollow Club has that, it just has that thing to where you just, you just have that emotional tie to it. Hey, but look, Roy McIlroy went out there and got it, man. You know, new swing changes. I don't know if you noticed, he got a whole new putting style. Look, for our listeners out there, I don't know if you noticed, but Roy actually did not take a practice stroke the entire championship. All he did was look at his line, went down, set up, checked it, and just rolled it. And I think some of the changes Roy's made, Will, over his last, you know, couple, three months, I mean, I, of course they paid off because he won a championship, but so soon was surprising to me. Yeah, I, I just think I just think that you know he he started to trend he started to trend upward. So now the fact that he's trending, and it was at a a venue that he was familiar with, I think his season is about to start. Fortunately, we got well, the PGA Championship coming up too, so that's even better. And if you recall, Roy McIlroy did run away uh, at the PGA Championship in Kiowa when it was there a few years back with an eight shot lead. So Roy, don't McElroy, count him out, Dougie. Roy McIlroy following or following firing on all cylinders coming in, but something that was interesting, Will, did you actually get a chance to see the Whoop heart rate monitor on the you know through the week coverage here on NBC? On that part five, I did with Roy, right? Absolutely, I, I think that is dope. But let's let's talk a little bit about Whoop. Hey, Roy McIlroy knows this, Will. I don't know if you do. But Whoop's the most intelligent fitness tracker that provides 24-7 actionable sleep training, recovery insights to help you unlock yourself and understand what your body needs. Hey, each day, this thing is measuring how well you sleep, how well you recover, and you know how much stress you put on your body, man, from both your workouts and just going about your everyday life. What I enjoyed seeing, Will, was like we were able to get Rory's numbers live action in the tournament on the whole, step by step. You know, it's funny, like he hit a shot, I think I saw like 104 heart rate. And then as he started to stride up this hill, you could see his heart rate now bounce to like 120, Will. Will, from your vantage point, how important is, is it to have those type of metrics when you're playing golf? I think it can uh, definitely put you in a position to realize how cool you are under pressure. I think if I can remember, uh, you know, me, you know, 
my heart rate goes through the roof on a normal as fairway shot in the middle of the fairway. So I saw, I just remember, I just remember when I saw uh, Roy's, uh, he had, they had a, a feature where I think it was a par, uh, par five, seventh hole, where he was, uh, I think, going for and two. He was in a weird little spot, you know, mm-hmm. he had to use a seven iron, try to stretch a seven iron over the water, et cetera. And kudos to this, this fella because his heart rate went from 100 to only 105. I think, I, I think that went nowhere. Because if I'm trying to pull a shot like that, I think it would have went from 100 to 205. And kudos <laughs> to him, man. So that, that tells you that he's a calm, cool, and collected guy around it. That shot was nothing new to him. So that, that tells you. And it's, it's good the fact that we get to see how those guys react in certain situations. Such right. As I, I would have loved to see you know more, more and more players wear the whoop so we can see kind of when you hit a good shot, like a pure one of those shots where the crowd roars, like mm. what does that do? Like from a heart rate yes. perspective, like metric, like how much does the crowd, you know, because Roy mentioned he needs the crowds to kind of, you know, give him a little right. lift. So but, playing but, you know, through the pandemic, no crowd, Roy didn't get to feed off the energy of the of the patrons but, at the various events. So I thought I think awesome. it's. I think it also can be somewhat uh, educational to the point of when a bad shot is hit to see how the mm. players, when they walk to the next shot, see how they calm down. What, what are some of the routines that go from 115 heart rate down back to 90, 95 and seeing that aspect? So that's the ones I want to see because that's the ones I need to really, really pay attention to. Yeah, because it's like in boxing, right? When you get you know in the ring, get your three minutes, you go back to your corner, you got to get your heart rate down. Like You know what I'm saying? So the same thing kind of applies in golf from shot to shot. So it was pretty cool to see uh, what Roy had going on internally. And shout out to Whoop for all the tech they've put out there. But hey, Will, you know, it's spring. It's officially here. And it's time to break out them clubs if you haven't already, people. Whoop is a great way to help optimize your game on and off the golf course. I'm telling you right now, beyond the fairway, go out and get your Whoop. I'm going to tell you why. We are giving you 15% off of your purchase at Whoop. Just it, You can have it. It's yours. It's yours for free. 15% off when you use the code BEYOND. Hey, so go to Whoop.com, you know, enter B-E-Y-O-N-D. That's me and Will. We give it to you. So go ahead in there, get your discount, get your Whoop on so you can see all the goodness that it has to offer with your metrics. And you can you know, be like Rory, be like JT, Jessica Corda. Hey, we out here. Whoop, there it is. Well, Will, we got to get to it. It's, it's, it's time. It's time. It's that time. You and I need to go beyond the fairway. The CEO of the PGA of America, Mr. Seth Wah. Beyond the Fairway podcast welcomes in the one and only, you see him, the CEO of the PGA of America, Mr. Seth Waugh. What's going on, Seth? Hey, Dougie. How are you, man? Nice to be with you guys. I'm I'm glad you took the time to step out the boardroom to hang out with you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, well, it's a treat to be with you. I, I, I grew up on a playground, and uh, this is another one, right? So That's it. That's I'm, I'm more comfortable there than a boardroom. I- well, I was I was I was shocked after uh, you know Dougie talked your head off last time we played down in, uh, down in Florida that you 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 wouldn't do this for us, but I appreciate it, man. Well, I, I thought you could be. A, I, I would only agree if you were on it. Well, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so <laughs> you much. Know, See, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, Seth, it's funny that you even mentioned us all playing together. You know, we how had long is this show? About three or four hours, by the way. That's it. <laughs> That's it. We get, so we got the rest of your day, Seth. So just be ready for big lungs, big lungs over no. here. But Seth, when we got to play back in February, it was a really interesting time in our nation, as well as in our golf industry, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic. And I do want to touch on the pandemic and its effects on golf, but I want to talk about a little bit on the PGA's decision 
to move the PGA Championship from Trump Redminster back in February. Now being a couple months removed, Seth, do you still feel that was the right decision? Because I know you've had way more conversations since we talked. So just want to get your take on on the state of the 2020 PGA Championship. Yeah, look, we we made a decision, you know, which was in, you know, my job, right, is to be the fiduciary for our members and for our association and to leave the room better than I found it. Right. And uh, that means making the lives better of 28,000 and growing the game in any way we can and uh, and using the assets of the PGA to, to do, you know, change lives and and uh, and make the world a little better place. Right. And we felt um, that, you know, continuing with uh, with the 22 in Bedminster uh, was going to put our brand at serious risk in a number of our relationships. And we really thought uh, we could do irreparable dam damage to um, to our brand and therefore not be able to do all the things that we uh, were put on earth to do. You know, we're a non-for-profit and um and our you know we use whatever proceeds we have uh from all our assets to reinvest it in, in our members and in the game and uh we thought we were putting that at uh, at serious long-term risk we also knew that you know it was going to be emotional on both sides right like you mm -hmm. know a couple months earlier half the country voted for each side right we know the country is uh, as divided maybe as it's ever been and and as dramatically divided right it's it's uh uh, it's very much, you know, one size or the other. It used to be when I grew up, you know, there was uh, most of the country coalesced around the 50 yard line, kind of played between the, the 40s, if you will. And right now, I feel like we're having a conversation from each end zone. And so we knew that um, we would, you know, take some flack from the other side. Um, and we'd also certainly would have taken some flack had we uh, decided to stay. But we, uh, got together we'd, and had you know, a very long, very deliberate conversation with our board over that weekend uh, and made a very hard decision, um, but one that we absolutely stick to and, and believe was the right one. And I must say this, you know, Doug and Will, that um, it was very emotional at the time, but it, it, it frankly went away quicker than I thought it would, um, mm -hmm. debate did. And, you know, we've, uh, we're able to, we're, you know, lucky to have a great brand and uh, lots of uh, places that great places that wanted us to to come, you know, play there, even though it was only a year and a half away. And yeah. uh, we chose Southern Hills in Tulsa. And uh, it's an amazing golf course, which Gil Hans just uh, uh, kind of did a, a huge redo on. We can't be more excited to, to be there, you know, a year from May. Um, and so people have frankly been focused on that, um, you know, once the emotion of the moment uh, kind of got past us. And I think I think people really do understand that this wasn't like we weren't trying to make a political statement. We're, we're trying to make a, uh, a smart business decision and, and what's in the best interest of our brand and, and our members and, and the game. And that's I, I think what's been, uh, you know, I've, let's put it this way. I've gotten a lot more um, uh, very positive feedback uh then I have the negative, um, particularly from the people that I respect the most. I find that interesting because I know you pissed. It's just interesting, like both sides of the fence, right? It's like, look, Trump Bedminster is a fantastic golf course. But when you make a decision like that, Seth, how how do you avoid the politics when you're in talking about the president, the then president of the United States and moving the championship from a course that's named after him? I just that one's I find interesting. Yeah, well, look, you know, and there's a big debate in the country, right? Or should sports be political? Should, you know, should corporations have political statements, make social statements? Um, yeah, we're all human beings. We all have points of view. But my job is to, you know, in this case, if I'm having dinner with you and Will, 
I may share my own personal views on things, right? Um, but if if I'm, you know, my job as fiduciary of uh, of any institution, when I was running a bank, it was the same thing. Um, I would always make the, the best decision I thought in the interest of my shareholders and my stakeholders. And, and that's what we did in this case, right? You have to sort of take any emotion, any kind of personal perspective, if you, well, not perspective, but any personal opinion uh, out of it and say, okay, you know, what, what do I think uh, is in the best long-term interest of the institution that I represent? And, uh, and that is not political, that's uh, practical and, um, and pragmatic and economic. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, what is the PGA? It's a brand, right? It, it's something people, you know, that our members are very proudly put on their chest, which represents excellence, which are, represents service, which represents, you know, a secret sauce like you both have to, to be able to hit a seven iron like I can't, right? And um, <laughs> and that's that, what we are, right? And so uh, how do you, you know, that brand, you kind of, you know, you really have to defend with your life. Um, and I think a brand is also a culture and, and what you represent. And, um, uh, and there, you know, uh, we felt that, um, you know, a line had been crossed and, and that we, we were, you know, our brand was being put at risk uh, in a, you know, very long-term, very fundamental way. Um, and that's when, we, that's when we acted. So now, Seb, you know, we know that you're a former uh, CEO of America's Deutsche Bank. Uh, and you've been, you led through two major crises. 9-11 and the uh, global financial crisis in 07, 08. Now, when you came to the, uh, the PGA of America, did you think that you had escaped or removed yourself <laughs> from some type of anything, the crisis? You know, yeah. pretty, pretty much you probably think that, hey, man, only thing that how bad I can get over here PGA of America is we run out of paper clips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a rain delay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, look, I thought I was getting out of the crisis business. I got to admit it. And, um, and the reality is, it, you know, either it follows me around or it follows everybody around. And this one, yeah, like they're all different. Um, but the, this one, you know, hit everybody and hit everybody hard. Um, you know, and I think having lived through a couple and they're all, you know, there's not the same playbook, but there are sort of the same principles, right? And the principles are, okay, you got to be smart, but I think more importantly, you got to be human. Um, and if you can kind of, you know, take care of everybody, get everybody to the other side. And in the case of 9-11, we lost a building, right? And, and uh, some of our folks and, and um, uh, you know, how do you, how do you reopen? How do you deal with the families? How do you, you know, deal with the fear? How do you, you know, do all those things? How do you rebuild a country or a city and then a country? Um, and the, you know, in the financial crisis, it was, it was, you know, saving the economy, right? And, and that was also a, you know, you, you kind of have to, you know, focus on your people and, and, um, and again, your business. But if, if you do the right thing, it's sort of more, you know, how you do things as much as what you do, right? And if you can prove that you have both a brain and a soul, you can actually come out of these things stronger than you went in. And that was what I preached to our folks when, when this happened. I said, you know, we may not be stronger financially, but we're going to know each other better. We're going to have a stronger culture. We're going to enhance our brand by being there for every one of our stakeholders, uh, every one of our members. Uh, and how do we do that? So the first thing you do kind of when it hits is it's a little bit like, you know, when you get on a plane and they, they say, okay, if the oxygen mask comes down, put it on your face first before you put it on your kid. Well, I'm not sure I could ever do that, but it's, it's good advice, right? So you, you kind of have to 
um, make sure you, you know, you take care of yourselves first and that you're, you're going to be sustainable because you can't help anybody else if you can't do that. And then you start figuring out, okay, who, who can we help? And in our case, we put together a golf emergency relief fund to help those most affected and in need, you know, our members and others in the golf industry. And we gave away about, you know, eight and a half million bucks. Uh, we then, you know, went to every one of our sections and kind of um, said, okay, how are you? Can, can you survive, you know, a year of, you know, we, we thought we could be closed for a year, right? Can, how do we financially get everybody to the other side of this crisis? Uh, and then, um, and then we went to the industry and, you know, sort of did the same thing. And then we talked to all our partners that, that are, you know, our, our brands that are associated with us it's, and the ones that were struggling, we, we gave, you know, breaks to, and those that were okay, you know, gave breaks to us. And, and that's how you do it. And if you can do that, you're going to end up with generational re relationships as opposed to, you know, ones that you're, you know, going to squeeze the lemon. Right. And, um, yeah. And I feel like we did that. I feel like we enhanced our brand. I know we know our, each other better. And then we, you know, went out and started back to golf, which was to you know, reopen golf because um, we thought that it, you know, would be uh, part of the solution, not the problem, right? That, that there's a refuge in golf, that it has natural, you know, we all know that now, but at the time that wasn't obvious. We were all yeah. afraid of, you know, touching, you know, uh, rakes and flags and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And, and so we went to the CDC and said, okay, we think we can be, you know, helpful here. And they embraced that. It wasn't a bureaucracy that sort of said, no, you guys are nuts. You, you're just trying to open golf. It was like, that makes all the sense in the world. We actually need to, you know, safe ways to get people out of the house and kind of, you know, uh, with a distraction. Right. And so golf boomed, you know, yeah, and, Seth, and I was going to ask you about that. Were you like from your seat? Because in Arizona here, nothing, nothing through the pandemic, nothing was happened everybody just was out courses were packed it was yeah. crazy from your seat did you see a boom coming um because golf is up i've heard 40 percent in some places 30 i think the national average is golf is up somewhere 20 percent over covid pandemic like did you see that coming or was it something that you almost had to react to because of those things you put in place for your members as those recovery packages were coming out etc cetera, etc cetera, because everybody went to the golf course yeah you know a little bit of both some of it was uh, I don't think any of us saw the extent of the boom, but the, 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 let's get that right. You know, we're, we went from, and I, and I remember, you know, Doug, before, you know, we went into this, everybody had been talking about golf's dying. It's, you know, yep. whatever. And I didn't buy into that because when I was, you know, I sort of said, I, I go to the you know PGA show and it's packed and I, and the equipment companies are having record quarters in the first quarter of 19. And, you know, I'm saying like, we're quietly in a bull market for golf. Like people are playing, it's getting cooler. Top golf's growing, you know, it's got 10 million. Other, they're growing at 30% a year. Junior league's growing at 20%, 20 to 25% a year. Like we're seeing real green shoots in the game. And so when it, the pandemic hit, obviously everything closed and, we were in this place where, okay, you know, is it safe to open? Our our members are sort of frontline workers, right? So they're nervous about going to work, right? As everybody mm -hmm. was, and um, and so we try to create a safe environment for them to work and for others to play, right? Which involved masks and single carts and carry on. But at the at the at the beginning of it all, we were saying like, look, at the end at the you know at the end of the day if you and I go out and carry our own bag on an empty golf course, like we're in a park, right? We're at 300 acres and yeah. you know, that's pretty safe. Right. So what can we add to that experience that's still safe and responsible? And that's how we had the three stages of, of bringing golf back. Um, and so what we were really trying to do is bring golf back for our members and for people. Um, and, um, and then, 
you know, as we did that, because, and I, and I also think that Jay Monahan did an amazing job on the tour, right. Of becoming, you know, leading for all professional sports, right. That, you know, when he was, it was May and he was saying, Hey, we're going to play in June and everybody's going, you're nuts. Right. And, um, uh, and he, you know, they pulled it off. Right. And I was obviously working with them throughout the whole thing to, to, to try to get that done. But all of a sudden now you're watching it on TV, the only thing on TV, right. Other than Netflix and you, you can play it um, and you can do it with your family. And in fact, you had to do it with your family because you weren't allowed to go you know, with yeah. strangers. Right. So all of a sudden now you got, you know, first timers and you got, you know, uh, people that have dropped it or you got 20 somethings that are just trying to, you know, be outside because they're not and most people work. suck. So they were socially absolutely. distanced yeah. while they were out there. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. And they didn't have to worry about taking it out of the hole because they never got it in the hole. Exactly. <laughs> and they didn't know how to wreck a bunker anyway. So, you know, it, and then you got dads playing with daughters and, you know, and it's just cool. Right. And then all of a sudden golf's cool. Right. And that's, yeah. and you guys are a big part of that. That's, you know, I, it, it's true. I mean, like we, we got to make this game look different than it ever has. Right. Yeah, it, 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 I only can imagine what it was like from a CEO perspective of trying to create, comp, well, CEO perspective at a major financial institution, trying to create confidence in the people to, to go out and spend. And now you're on the other end of the spectrum of trying to tell everybody, stay at home for right now until we have a, a sustainable yeah. plan. But right. uh, one thing I kind of want to touch on is the um, initiative I heard, a lot of good things going around the PGA of America is a place to play initiative. I'd love mm -hmm. for you to kind of comment on that and tell us what, what that's about. Yeah, well, so, you know, again, we have this belief that if we can make the game look a little, a lot more like the rest of the world, maybe we can get the world to look a lot, you know, behave a, a bit more like our game, right? The values we all love in the game and, you know, calling yourself on a penalty and, you know, all the relationships, everything, you know, it's the greatest engine for good on earth, in my view, not just charitably, but like relationships and, uh, and, you know, life lessons and time, quality time. And I said to somebody the other day, like, you know, who else, where else can you spend four hours with somebody? Like, you know, now I didn't want to spend four hours with, with Doug, but I did. Okay. So now you get how I feel. <laughs> but I mean, like, what are you going to say? Like, do you want to go have a four hour lunch? Do you want to go, you know, on a walk for four hours? Do you want to, you know, sit in a park for four? Like, but golf is like, you want to play golf and then you, you know, and then you, you're with them for, you know, in a sustained period of time. Right. And so it's, um, you know, it's an amazing game, but like, how are we going to make it look different if we don't have access to, to places to play? It's not, you know, you know, if you want to play hoops, you can pick up a, a ball and go, you know, go to the park. Right. Um, and so if we don't have public access golf, um, you know, we don't, we can't change the game in the way that we want to do it. And by, you know, affordable public access golf. Right. So, you know, we, um, when I came on board, we had three, three pillars in our uh, foundation. We have uh, PGA hope, which is for veterans. We have our junior league stuff. And then we have works, which is diversify the game. And I, and I added, um, or we added, but under my, you know, push a place to play because, you know, that's a natural extension of everything else we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So if you go to top golf and get the golf bug, well, then you got to go play somewhere. Right. And that's, Absolutely. that's the whole point. Right. It's the gateway to it. And so it's really an initiative to, um, and we're, we're in a, a capital campaign. We're trying to raise a hundred million bucks for all of those initiatives. So call it 25 million bucks, which we will then, you know, invest in some form towards helping restore, you know, 
public access golf courses. So that might be a muni. Uh, and I'll tell you a story about what we're doing in West Palm Beach if you want. But um, but it might be a nine holer in Iowa, right? That that mm-hmm. you know that is is owned by somebody. It's not public, but it's you know that they're struggling. And how do we create a model um, and maybe some lending into them so that they can you know create the access so that there's places to play with all this you know, growth of the game that we're, you know, we're, we're already seeing, but, you know, hope to sustain. Right. And so um, we, you know, got an opportunity in West Palm to, uh, uh, there's a muni, it was called West Palm Beach Country Club. We, we've changed the name to West Palm Beach Golf Park. I went and saw That's the mayor like uh, about a year and a half ago and kind of convinced him that, you know, if he wanted golf, if he wanted to, you know, money, he should sell it to a developer and they can build condos and, you know, some golf course, but if you wanted real golf and public access, we could do a public private partnership where we create a foundation that runs it, raises the money for it. And they, mm-hmm. they lease it to us for a dollar a year and we'll operate it. Um, and to extent there's their dividends, we'll give them back to the city somehow. Right. So um, he bought into it. Um, we you know, sold it to the city commissioner, you know, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a year and a half. And in two months, we raised over $40 million to, to do that. Um, and so Gil Hans has come in. He's pro bono. He's going to build Gil a golf Hans. course. Yeah. We're going to run it. Yeah, it's going to be the greatest laboratory in golf. We're going to run every program, youth program, every you know, diversity program through there. And, you know, I hope that that's that shining example on the hill that we can then take around the country and say, you know, here's a model that, that you can do. And uh, and here's here's the, you know, the uh, the success story to, to model yourself after. Well, so in that vein, though, here's kind of one of my issues and why I want to be a PGA member, which is why I'm level one associate. Well, besides you, you know, making me do it. I'm just saying that I'm national <laughs> podcast media. The, the, no. the, 200, the 201st one. <laughs> exactly but but but, but to your but to will's point baby to will's steps. point Seth, of of the 28 9000 pga professionals a recent stat came out that said 200 are african-american that's less than one percent Seth. i've been a part of diversity conversations since 1997 all right since i was a kid you know playing those muni courses you just mentioned what the hell is taking so long to make golf mirror Society, I, 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 I wanted to ask you that question for a long time because I can't comprehend why progress in this avenue is so slow. Yeah, and it's a great question. And why is it so slow? You know, why is it taking this country 250 years to, you know, to do what we haven't done? Now, we've done sure. some things, but certainly not enough as witnessed by last summer. Um, you know, the history of, the, of golf and the PGA specifically is, is not great on this. Obviously, it's awful on this front in, in a lot of ways. And you know, we had a Caucasian only clause till 1961. Right. Like, you know, Jackie Robinson came out in 1947. Right. And so, you know, that is uh, unexplainable. Like I, you know, obviously, you know, I was uh, I was born, but I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't in this seat at that point. But, uh, you know, so I don't you know, I've been just as frustrated in my my last career. Um uh, in terms of being able to move the needle more than I want to, you know, if, if you said to me, and this is pre George Floyd and any of these conversations, if you said to me, you know, what's the most frustrating thing about your uh, career? And it would say, it would be that, that I hadn't, you know, as much as we tried and I tried, uh, we, you know, didn't move it as much as I wanted to, um, moved it some, but you know, and it got better, but it, uh, um, and golf, you know, is one of those places that, you know, if, you, if and, it, and it feeds on itself, as you both well know, if you don't have people that look like you, you know, doing that, you, 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 you know, it's, it's intimidating. It's like not something you want to do. You want to be around people that, you know, that's true by gender. It's true by color. It's true by, you know, 
uh, you know, socioeconomic. It's true by a lot of things, right? And so Absolutely. that's why we've got to make it not just welcoming. We've got to make it invitational. We've got to go seek at this point, right? So, you know, you quote a stat that that's totally unacceptable, you know, that we've, okay, so Caucasian only unacceptable that it was you know, 1961, but yeah. uh, but it's still been 60 years, right? 60 and years, yeah. Why do we have 200 instead of, you know, and, and I'm not trying to move it from 200 to 220. You know, we aren't. We're trying to move it to, you know, whatever thousand, right? Like, um, because we should mirror society. I mean, it's, you know, the next census, I think, is, is going to be 50% people of color, right? And so, you know, that you know, if it's not only the right thing to do, it's it's the absolute necessity to do, right? Or, or else, you know, if we carve out half the population in terms of, you know, gender and then half the population in terms of color, like you're probably not going to be a real growth business, right? And so, um, you know, again, it, and I feel like, and, you know, you guys have lived it. I, I, uh, I grew up in a household that was, you know, way ahead of the game. And I grew up sort of thinking that, you know, I grew up in a household that was colorblind, right? And and that was the st- gold standard at the time. That's not enough, right? Like you're going to be very yeah. color aware and color intentional. And I've learned that over time. And and that's where we need to get to, right? And so yeah, I'm glad you said that, Seth. I did. I'm glad yeah, you said that. You, you cleared it up. A, a lot of people, that. a lot of people think colorblind is a positive thing. Color aware is a necessity. So I, I appreciate you saying that, Seth. Last summer. You know, an awful event happened, obviously, which created, um, hopefully, you know, the momentum to turn a moment into a movement, right? That people really are aware that, that the conversations are happening at different levels and at different degrees um, of intensity and coming from different places than they kind of ever have before. And that's really positive. And so riding that wave is something that's important. Now, PJ of America has been at this before me, and, and there's a lot of stuff to be proud of in terms of the kind of baby steps that we've been taking. Um, and now I think we can start taking, you know, grown-up steps and, and, and maybe even giant steps. And uh, the other thing that we did last summer is that, you know, I realized we had two things going on. One was that uh, the, you know, we had this generational opportunity to grow the game. And it was really a, not only an opportunity, but an obligation, right, to, to do so because it's as if Tiger just burst on the scene We've got this pandemic, you know, rush. And now how do we, you know, how do we sustain that rather than what we did last time, which was build a bunch of golf courses and, you know, it kind of went away. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that, you know, we need to make the, the game look more like the world so that the world can act more like the game. And, and so I called Jay Monahan, I called Mike Juan and I said, um, you know, we have this moment in time that we need to turn into a movement. And uh, they agreed enthusiastically. And we, we said, OK, well, our convening power is let's bring together the industry, not just ourselves. So we invited every CEO of every equipment company. We invited all the management companies, we invited all the other golf bodies. And we had a call and said, look, here's what's going on. And we think Golf Inc., you know, we're the board of directors of golf, golf, right? Like Golf Inc. needs to operate and do this together. And we can do so much more together than we can separately. And from that, we have working groups now. They're working on supply chain, employment, um, uh, you know, a toolkit for courses to be, you know, not only welcoming, but but an invitational um, player development, a marketing campaign that I think you'll get a real kick out of all kinds of things. And people are now, you know, so they're, they're going to finance it. There's sweat's been in it. It's been, we're eight months into it and it's really cool. And I feel like, you know, the industry is acting as one now. And so it gives me hope that it's not just the PJ of America kind of 
you know, standing on a podium. It's the industry getting rallying around, you know, two hugely important things um, and, and taking, you know, advantage of this generational opportunity and obligation. Recently, there's been some conversation at the Qual Hollow Championship this week regarding uh, uh, Jay Monahan, uh, PGA Tour CEO, made a bold statement that anybody who pretty much will engage or play on the uh, the Super Golf League will uh, will pretty much lose their PGA Tour card. I love to get your uh, <laughs> I never heard of that aspect, a little different, but I love to get your take on that. And uh, wh why has it been so drastic? Well, look, I, you know, it's a membership organization, right? And um, their, you know, membership organizations have rules. And one of their rules is that if you do something detrimental to the, to the PGA Tour or its members or the game, um, that you can get, you know, suspended, uh, dismissed, you know, fined, whatever, whatever the penalty should be. Um, and in this case, um, you know, here is a... Um, you know, there's there's an effort um, by a you know, foreign power to to buy their way into a game. Um, uh, and they've used a bunch of avenues to try and do that. Um, they've kind of started with a, uh, you know, potential uh, private equity uh, play. And then they went after the European tour. And now they're going after players to create this Super League. And um, and I think what Jay was saying is like, you have a choice if you want to go to the other side. Um, go ahead and good luck, um, but you're you're no longer you know uh, playing for this team, and and this team you know has done an enormous amount for these players, right? Um, yeah, they've created a, the best pension plan in the in the world. They've created um, you know this the new PIP that you, you you know which is in direct response to that. The purses grow every year. They've gotten a, you know incredible television deals. Um, it's a you know, it, it is for the benefit of the players in, in every form. And so I think, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, th these are, you know, existential threats um, and, and, you know, you have to respond to them. Right. Um, and I, uh, I think, you know, if, if we get um, the, the ecosystem of, of the, like you, you wouldn't have set up golf the way it's set up, right. In terms of all the golf bodies necessarily, um, but we work really well competitively. You have this ecosystem, which is really for the benefit of, of, of the players. And, um, and it, 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 you know, because it's a membership organization, all the owners, the, the, the players own the league, right? <laughs> they do. It, yeah. that's, they're the beneficiary of it. Like they pay for the staff, but other than that, everything inures to their benefit, right? And so, um, you know, if you get private equity in there in some form, financial you know interest in there it changes the dynamic of everything right because they have to ultimately exit they have to monetize for their investors you know um, their investment and so the dynamics of how that would change are enormous right now look i'd also say that sports um uh you know are uh, are growing up, but, but are not, you know, have uh, need to grow up in certain ways. Um, and I don't mean golf, I mean everything. And so every, you know, everything that on earth is, is that's, that's, you know, valuable gets disrupted at some point. And so sports are being disrupted um, all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, you look at what just happened in the premier league. Uh, you look at, you know, uh, any league of, of any sort is having, you know, sort of, you know, either great success or 
growing pains and you get NFTs and all sorts of things are kind of <laughs> going on. Right. Um, and so uh, you always have to be aware of that. Right. And you always have to sort of address it. And you always have to be very thoughtful about, okay, am I, am, are we running the game in the, in the right way? Not our head in the sand. And I think, you know, that's what the that's what PIP is, right. It's a, it's a response to that to say, okay, maybe we haven't played paid, you know, enough for brand uh, recognition and let's figure out, a, you know, a pool do that. And I'm, you know, mm. the FedEx cup is that like, there's, there's all sorts of things that have been developed that, um, that have been response, you know, response, uh, responses to uh, outside pressures, right. Including PIP. It's interesting to hear you say it like that. Cause it makes way, it must be Seth's smoothness. Will I, I, I digested like hundred percent of that. Cause I was, you know, is it, but is it at the core Seth, is it the money? Is it the TV, the sponsorships, the the hospitality on the back end? Is that the 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 threat um, of the super or the the super golf league, or is are there other intangibles that we just don't know? Yeah, well, I, I, that's what they're leading with, right? That's what they have, right? Uh, that you know, the the money here is it, you know is a lot, right? And that that's what they can compete with is 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 that. But if you're let's just say you're you know a great young player, okay, and um, and you're, um, uh, you know, we can name any name, but you know, Scotty Scheffler, right. And, uh, uh, you know, and he, he's, you know, going to win has, you know, is, is going to have a great career, probably have a 20 plus year career, uh, and he'll make, you know, whatever, $75 million on the golf course. He'll double that in sponsorship. And then, um, you know, his pension at the end of that is somewhere, you know, 50 to hundred million dollars. That's pretty good, right? Like, and so are you going to risk that uh, to go? And, and I don't know the numbers, right? So that's me, you know, sort of the total conjecture. So please don't hold me to that. But mm -hmm. if, if you're, and I, and I certainly don't know Scotty's and, you know, whatever, I just picked a name out of the hat. So, uh, it, you know, but, it, you know, now are you going to go put that at risk at a, at a new league for a short term payoff? Um, does that make but sense? Seth, but yeah. Seth, Seth, you're, 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 pretty much telling a player he can't play golf somewhere. No, 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 that's not right, Will. What they're saying is if you want to go play golf in that form, you go do it. No, but if, if I'm a banker, right, and I get bid by another a bank and I go to that bank and I, he pays me for three years and, and then goes out of business as opposed to me staying where I am and having a long career, yeah. Yeah, where am I better off? And, you know, you make those choices. People make those choices every day when they change employment. So they're not saying you can't go do that. They're just saying you can't, you know, you can't do both. Right. You, you yes. can't have you your toe in mean? both like, sides of the pool. Well, you can't, you can't, I, I, you can't dip I, I, your toe in the water, man. I, I get it. There's, a lot of money, there's so much I, money out there. though. I get it. But I'm just thinking under the criteria in which to get on the PGA tour, you have to perform. You have to perform. And those guys meet their criteria to get their card and they want to take their talents elsewhere in a, in a, in a quote of uh, LeBron James to just to just explore. I just I don't I'm questioning just how how serious that could be as far as Lou, your whole. Well, but I mean, you know, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. That there's any, well, but no, I'm just trying to think of the right example. But, you know, that's what happened at the AFL and the NFL. Right. Um, yep. You know, people jumped to the AFL and it worked mm -hmm. out for some of them and some of it didn't. Right. Um and, you know, disruption, this is not the first time there's been disruption in a game, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, 
pick Mike Trout. He could go play in the Japanese league. That is true. And, you know, and then, but he's not playing in the majors. I mean, he's not playing, in, you know, MLB and that's okay. Like he can choose to do that. Right. And so. Yeah. Yes, he can. But that is because no. of conflict. That's conflict of scheduling. Not so much if he chooses to go play, he's, he's cut off that, that boy I'm aware so, yeah. of. But no, I understood. Be, but, this, yeah. this is what I have to deal with, Seth. This is what yeah, I have to <laughs> Go ahead, Dougie. Seth. Getting getting close to it, coming up on it, this year's PGA Championship there at Kiowa. I want to ask you a, a very interesting question, uh, one you've probably got, but if you haven't gotten it, well, welcome to it. Explain to me the criteria to receive a special exemption into a major. I'm I'm asking you because the previous he wants episode, to get one. we we discussed. Yeah, I want, well, I want one. Will wants one. We get two. <laughs> Um, I want that diversity exemption. But Seth, why does Ricky Fowler, uh, what is it about Ricky that exemplifies uh, whatever it is about the PGA to, to get a special exemption? What, what are those criteria? Yeah, so it's a lot of things, right? Um, but it, you know, um, but in his case, and everybody's talking about his record on this year, right? Um, which, you know, he's not having the year he'd like to have relative to the FedEx Cup, money earnings, et cetera, et cetera. But what people haven't focused on is he's 111th in the world, right? So in the world golf ranking, you know, he's 111th, right? And so that's something we look at, you know, all the time is, is where, you know, we have the strongest field in golf and that's measured by the world golf rankings um, because that's, you know, we think that, you know, the, uh, uh, the litmus test of, of, uh, you know, of, of, you know, I sit on the board, like theoretically that's the, we think it is that, you know, the right kind of, you know, definition of it. Um, and in Ricky's case, like he's been a great ambassador for the game where that's important to us. He's a big supporter of, of PGA professionals. That's important to us. Uh, he's played on a number of Ryder cups. So that's important to us. Uh, he, you know, we just talked about PIP, like there's no question he moves the needle, right. Um, you know, and, and he'll be a beneficiary of that, despite the fact that he hasn't played the way he wants to play. Um, and, you know, add all that up and we sort of look at it and go, okay, you know, it was an easy choice, frankly, and Ricky, everybody, everybody's sort of focused on it. Cause he's not, you know, again, he hasn't had the year he's trying to have, but, but, you know, he's he's going to help our rankings, not hurt our rankings, right, in terms of, you know, the world golf ranking. So we think he's hugely deser deserving and, you know, um, and, you know, would defend it to the core. So the answer, but the broader answer to your question is it's, you know, we definitely look on, you know, how people are playing, where their rankings are. Uh, and um, and, you know, and then the intangibles of what have they done for the game? Right. And right. that's important that to sense. us. That makes a lot that of makes sense. sense. Yes. That makes plenty of sense. So Seth, you guys recently flipped the Ryder cup and the president's cup. Tell me a little bit about that decision and then we'll get into something and get you out of here. Okay. Yeah. So we last year, you know, look, it was uh, the heart of darkness, right? We were, we were going to play at Harding park with no fans. And, um, and we were okay with that because we thought, um, you know, television fans, you know, deserve something to watch on television. We wanted to have the first major championship and we're really proud of it. It was a great event, um, you know, an unbelievable finish and a great new champion and all great stuff. But at the same time, we looked at it and said, okay, the Ryder cup is a different deal. Like, you know, if you haven't been, you, you need to go. It is, you know, the, the first shot on the first day on the first tee is the most important and, and, you know, the, the, the most epic moment of the whole thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. And because of the pressure around it, because of the you know pageantry, the whatever. And I, I just remember sitting. I uh, just started like a week before, and I was on the first tee in, in Paris, and going like, you know, holy crap, this is you know <laughs> this is amazing, but it's also you know an awesome responsibility, right? To 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 you know be the um, kind of you know the defender of this, if you will. And so we think that a Ryder Cup with no fans is not a Ryder Cup. It's, you know, it's, it's tribal in the sense of nation versus nation. And, and that's the beauty of it. And so, uh, and to, you know, the, again, golf Inc's credit, everybody understands the value of the, um, the majors, the value of the Ryder cup and wants to have that very much part of the ecosystem of what we do. And so we agreed that if we couldn't have fans um, it didn't make sense. And it became pretty clear you know, and by the way, the other challenge on these things is like, you know, and I remember talking to the CEO of the Packers about what they were going to do because we were trying to figure out in sort of May and June uh, what we're going to do. And he said, well, we're probably going to start at 25 percent fans. We hope to go to 50 and 75. And why don't you just do that? And I said, well, problem is I got to build Lambo now between you know June and September. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, we had to make the decision three or four months ahead of time. And it was very clear that it was not going to be safe or responsible. And we couldn't get people across borders and all those things. So then we engaged with, you know, Jay and, and the tour first and and sort of said, you know, he, he agreed to that. And then, you know, and not easily. Right. Because they then had to, you know, a lot of, as you say, it's a waterbed. Right. So it had to change the, the president's cup from Quail Hollow, you know, to roll out. And the Wells was just being played, you know, this week right now uh, uh, was supposed to be in Maryland. And that had to move or yeah, that had to move back. And and so it was a lot of moving parts. It was it was, a you know sort of a, not an easy decision, but a, the decision, the, the execution was harder than the decision, if you will, but everybody lined up sense. and the captains all agreed with that and players all agreed. And so it's all good. All right, Seth, as we close, Will and I always ask our guests one question just for you. We're going to broaden up the question right now. Musical foursome. You're going to go out with four musicians. You're playing a five ball, Seth. Who are you showing up to the golf course with? Musical foursome right here, Beyond the Fairway podcast. Did you say music? Yeah, you, I, uh, you know, I'm supposed to give you rappers, aren't I? Yeah, thank you, Seth. <laughs> it was, it was rap. It's thank rap you, Seth. foursome. No cold switching. Don't do it. It's exactly. music. Hey, man, I'm just no, trying to be more inclusive. Don't be, I'm, being, <laughs> I'm working on my inclusionary. Don't bail my man I'm, out, Doug. <laughs> all right, rap foursome go with, right I'm here, Seth. Go with, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go with Macklemore. Um, I'm going to go with Drake. Oh, I'm going to go with Jay-Z because, you know, more for who he is than what he raps. Um, And um, and Will. Will's my fourth or my fifth. Will Smith or Will Allen? (laughs) (laughs) Just Will. Just Will. (laughs) Or Will I Am. How about Will I Am? Will I Am. There we go. Well played, Seth. Well played. (laughs) There you have it. Rap foursome since I've. I thought I was playing it right. Rap Forsome right here, Beyond the Fairway Podcast. <laughs> CEO of PGA of America, Seth Waugh. Thank you so much for taking the time to go Beyond Appreciate the Fairway it. with Will Lowry and myself. Will, I'll let you send Seth out of here, man. Seth, man, thank you for coming here, man. I, I don't know why my man hit you with the, I, I don't know, with the, mu- the musical <laughs> force. I, I'm sorry. I apologize yeah. on his behalf, Come man. Out, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a person too. Well, but, I got feelings. But, you know? Yeah, I was trying to be inclusive. Hey, but, but unconscious bias just doesn't go one way. That's one thing. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we go. appreciate it, man. And thank you for coming. And I'm uh, glad to have you on Beyond the Fairway. <laughs> Great being with you. I hope to see you all soon. You, I hope to see you in Kiwa. 
Yeah, I, I wish. I we get some tickets, man. We're there. <laughs> All right. You know anybody that can? Um, <laughs> you know anybody? <laughs> uh, you know. I, I, got I, a guy I, I, knows, I got a guy. I knows mean, a guy. Yo, see this. I'm still a little. I'm bothered a bit. Bothered. But let me get let me get back to neutral. Let me get my dog going. Okay, now I'm neutral. Okay, so can we think that off the conversation with uh, Seth regarding the you know, performance player program, performance impact mm -hmm. program? Yeah, the, all of that. All that. All that. Pip. Is that a sense, and I'm asking Doug, is that a sense of entitlement on the tour in that, in that aspect to think that, you know, if, if you're not with us, you can't play? And I don't really see NBA flexing like that. I don't see the NFL flexing like that. I just wonder, I, I'm curious to want to know why, why is it so drastic? And I'm not sure Steph really answered that. I think he did. I think he answered the question, like in my vanity, in my neutrality, as you like to often say. I think he, he made a good point. Look, look, you own this team. You own this team. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go play in the Super Golf League and you want to, you know, take the money and do this new stuff, you have the right. He did. He didn't say you can't do it. He just said if if you if you gang banging over here and you try to change your colors, don't think you're gonna be welcome back here. Like you know what I'm saying? Like don't think you're gonna switch sides and then if you don't like how that side performing, you can come back. So yeah, you can go. Seth Seth said it. You know Jay Monahan said it. Every player has the right to make their decision if they want to join the Super Golf League. Um, or excuse me, so, Super so League Golf. But the so the independent so the, independent, over here. the the independent contractor realm of what they do is null and void now. Is that well, what it's saying? a membership organization? Like you're a member of the tour, right? That's the statement, right? So how how do you become a member of the tour? You gotta earn your way onto it, right? Okay, you gotta I, earn your I way get it. On. So you've been trying your whole life to get over here with us. But now you and because to and because you want to take your because you is it cash grab or I just want to go play golf that play team to golf. Play, is it a team event? It's not team, is it? Yeah, it's team. It's teams of golfers. It's like huh. think of the an adult version of the PGA Junior or Junior League. They have matching what? shirts. <laughs> well, that I, that's even that, that's Uniforms. even more than merrier. Hey, it, I don't know if you saw the uh, interview, um, Hovland and Rom. I don't know if you saw their re their reaction to it, and I'm not saying they said no. They didn't say yeah, but they didn't say no either. They were just like, well, if it's real, well, I, I I, we'll I th probably talk about it. I think that's also going to be a sentiment for more international players. But in reaction to Seth, one thing that I was really excited to hear is the fact that he acknowledges where the PGA of America and the industry of golf are in this time, in this history, in this moment, and he's aware that they need to improve um, to make this game more diverse and more inclusive. Now, I didn't, I don't like how fast it's taken. I said it to him. I'll say it to anybody. I think this is not a very hard thing to do. Um, make golf more inclusive. Take golf to where people are. Seth and I share a lot of the same sentiments. Now, I just hope that he goes out and does something about it, right? So step one, coming on here to take time out of his day on a, on a Thursday, two weeks before the PGA Championship, big deal to me. So, Appreciate you coming in here and sitting down with us, Seth. But I am gonna be watching you. I'm gonna watch that, 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 everything that's, that dude's doing. That's where that's where that's why I know that you and I and Seth are are have gotten a bond because they should have had my whoop numbers recorded when Seth said that colorblind thing. 
<laughs> what Seth said, I'm colorblind. My woot was like, my, my woot skyrocketed at 1025, whatever right. 1025 is, but it went there. 1025. 1025. I got it. That's fair. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so we, I'm glad that, you know, he had color awareness and that really paints a picture of there's the he's the right person for the movement of what we're trying to do and he's the right leader and you know given his history i'm sure he can lead us uh to to uh to the promised land well i'll say this seth watt will not get the shank of the week but it is that time we got to get is. to that too will it's the shank of the week shank of the week will lowry I don't know who you got, player. Let me go ahead and get comfortable in my seat as I shift around because I was watching Saturday you got? coverage you got, there. You got well, DeChambeau? Hollow. Who you got? DeChambeau, who you got? I was watching the Saturday coverage, and, you know, Roy's coming off the 18th hole, and I'm just, you know, I got my TV on. I'm just looking at everything that's going on TV. Pan the audience. And who else do I see? I see Gerald Henderson, and I see Will damn Lowry, okay? <laughs> So, Will, you're hiding behind a gentleman from the camera shot, so you weren't hiding. It was just a bad angle of the camera. But what I found interesting and why you have earned the coveted shank of the week, Will, is because you had a stool with you, and not like one of those cute little fold-up stools. You had, like, this wooden, like, carpenter stool that you had to carry around. Not only do you get all the attention for having dreads and being a minority there in Charlotte, you had you had the audacity to carry a step stool. Now, you are an inch above average height, okay? I get it. There's crowds out there. You need a vantage point, Will. But you carried a stool around for multiple hours, and, you, and the funny thing is, we got a roll of footage here, so Sorry for the people that aren't going to watch this that are listening, but Will is actually seen on the coverage, putting his stool down, stepping up on the stool, and looking over the crowd on his tippy toes. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So, Will, you have earned it. I had to give it to you. Shane the Week, Will Lowry. I never thought I'd be Shane the Week on my own damn show. Shit. <laughs> All right, I, I see you walking around with a damn stool. <laughs> hey, but hey, mind you, mind you, I did look foolish while I was carrying it. But once people started to put things together and saw how I gained vantage over as far as height, everybody started thinking that was pretty genius. Was pretty I thought genius. you just wanted to look at Gerald like eye to eye, like I still have a conversation with him. Like I still wasn't taller than him, nor his father. Like I just wasn't <laughs> taller than him. I still can't reach eye to eye with these guys. So yeah, so my five ten, actually five. But 5'10 didn't work out. Uh, my shank of the week is Bryson DeChambeau. Now, Bryson DeChambeau did one of the um, craziest things to where he did a, I don't know if it's considered on the PJ Tour a trunk slammer. You know, trunk slammer, when you miss a cut, you just slam the trunk and you get the hell on. Trunk slam. Well, yeah. he probably just did a trunk limo slammer to the airport, I guess. Well, he got up out of there because he was thinking that he was missing the cut, flew back home to Dallas, realized that he was making the cut, flew back to Charlotte, landed at 6 a.m., and went straight to the range. So he went from the runway to the range. So therefore, he was, uh, he was, sleep he was sleepless in the Queen City. <laughs> and so he ended up uh, you know, playing pretty well. You know, Not a crazy shank of the week, but he had a pair of 68s and finished up and having a uh, backdoor top 10. And there you go. So that was uh, pretty much of a shank of the week, and he still met his quota for the, for the week. So He met his him. quota. <laughs> hey, I heard he went back home, worked out, 
went to sleep, woke up at like 2 a.m. and then flew back, got in. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Hey, you know what? It must be nice to have the Bentley on the tarmac waiting for you on the P-Jet so you can just and bump out. Hey, we appreciate y'all rocking with us. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Seth Wild this week. Hope you enjoyed the shank of the week. Bryson DeChambeau and our very own Will Lowry getting those shanks of the week. Listen, subscribe, share. Hey, we appreciate you always rocking with us beyond the fairway. You never know who we'll have next week, so tune in right here. Golf Channel NBC. We'll holla at you. Hey, I hope, I hope Seth know that I really want my damn tickets. See, CEO hell. Bringing my tickets, man. Me and you. Kiowa. Ocean. Ocean front. Seth Wah. The ocean course. Seth Wah. <laughs> Seth Wah, what you gonna do about my tickets? <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.